0: Hello and welcome to a special monthly wire people into that educational segment sponsored by the pleasure chest. So it's autumn, although with global warming, it's kind of hard to tell, like it's Scorpio season and I'm wearing a tank top right now. But in theory, anyway, this is the time of year for reaping what you've sown. I know my friends at the Pleasure Chest are interested in decolonizing the idea of harvest celebrations. So we decided to dig into sexual power dynamics for our November episode. My guest today is Mary, a former Pleasure Chest staff member who still teaches kinky classes at the Los Angeles store. Hi, Mary. Well, hello. Um, so Mary, who are you and what do you do at slash? What did you do at the pleasure chest?
1: Uh. Well, I am, I used to be the buyer at the pleasure chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't been there for a year and a half, but, um, I, I love the pleasure chest. It's the whole community and the people there are still very close to my heart. Um, before I was at the pleasure chest, I was a, a pro dom for 10 years. Oh, and, cool. Um, yeah, it was great. And it was really wonderful to put that on my resume and have that be a self.
0: Oh my gosh, I have also had that experience working with them. It is really amazing to work with a company that sees that as an asset instead of a hindrance, which is obviously what it is.
1: Yeah, when I um when I applied, it was uh you're know, like, Oh great, we really need a Dom on staff. Like... <laughs> so, um yeah, but buying for them was a fantastic experience. I also worked on the floor for a number of years and then I started doing the buying and um man, it was so great to, you know, go to all of the, the sex toy shows and just work in the adult industry it was a very uh I wouldn't say liberating experience because I've always been drawn towards jobs where I'm able to talk about sex and, be, and that's why I was a dom for so long.
0: Yeah. To
1: be a professional and um and to also be having, you know, conversations about G-spots and flogging, you know, while you're at a convention or whatever. It was just it was really great. I am really there and I still get to teach. So that's really great and um yeah, you know, that's where I'm at.
0: Cool. So what do you do when you're not at the pleasure chest? Or I guess I should say, what have you been getting up to when, you know, since you left that position at the pleasure chest?
1: I left because um, I just started popping out all these kids. Um, (laughs) No, I have two kids. I have two young kids and I had a lot of um, family health things going on Mm. uh, with parents. And so it just became a, a, the kind of thing where I needed to really focus in on my family Cool, and that's what I've been basically doing and um, it's interesting to go from you know such an incredibly adult world to such an incredibly child world yeah but um, I definitely uh, you know keep in touch with everybody and teaching the classes and doing things like this like having like a serious adult conversation really great. Okay.
0: so what do you do in your in your free time I mean imagine I imagine that this time of year with kiddos there's a lot of pumpkin carving and trick-or-treating planning and costume planning
1: yeah I mean on the side I am a um a very crafty person so I get excited this time of year to do the costumes and to do um Every year, I do a, um, a puppet show performance oh. for my friends. So I'm like working on these elaborate puppets. I'm going to have this moon that can like sing songs. You know, it's going to be just a lot of like silliness and but darkness also. I do very dark Christmas time puppet shows.
0: Oh, good. Well, that's yeah. that's important for people of all ages to embrace darkness, I think.
1: No, it's like and it's the darkest time of year, literally.
0: So yeah,
1: right? It I well, love the darkness.
0: Me too. Well, it sounds like we have many things in common um, and an obsession with domination and submission and power play is probably chief among them. So you mentioned that you do still teach classes at the Pleasure Chest, and I know that on November 29th, you are teaching a workshop about domination and submission at the West Hollywood Los Angeles Pleasure Chest store. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Yeah, and it's one of my favorite classes um, because it's, for me, it gets down to the fundamentals of uh, of who you are. Mm. When it comes to kink and DS, it's always about, um, you know, this is something that we're performing and doing every single day. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that throughout history, every human interaction has some sort of DS relationship, except almost all of it is unconsensual
0: right And
1: now you have this opportunity to play in a consensual way um you know possibly even with people that you're very much in love with or that they're in love with you and so you have a very safe space to practice and play with all of these things that we're forced to do constantly and it is almost like a part of the age of enlightenment for me Mm
0: -hmm. where
1: as we progress in our societal um, kind of coming of age and and maturing, it, we are able to um, to use things like consent to to play and take take away all of this um, the harshness of um, of just having to deal with you know the the power structure with your boss or your family or um, you know, even to like, you know, unconsensual violence and, and historically that's such a, a huge um, uh, just conundrum of dealing with so much dominance and submission that um, that was not fun. So mm. let's take this thing and make it ours. And there's even a way of, um, I think, of healing from all of this unconsensual DS that we've had to deal with when we play in a safe space with our own, we can rewrite our own narratives. And I just find it a very um, enlightening, healing thing. Like kink is a, um, to me, it's a mature, fun thing to do, you know?
0: Well, you're singing my song, Mistress, I have to tell you. <laughs> that is an amazing philosophy of BDSM in general and erotic power dynamics specifically, I'm wondering if you can give us even more of a taste or a preview of the kinds of things that you go over in your workshop either as an enticement for folks in the LA area to come to your November 29th workshop or for the folks who are not in that area to to get a little bit of a of a sense of what that workshop is is like.
1: Sure. So, I mean, the beginning part of it, it is a basic beginners kind of like dominance and submission class. so we always, i always start going over um, you know the basics of BDSM what is he, what are those like letters even stand for mm. and um, the mantras of like rack and safe sane and consensual mm. and getting into just the language of what we're talking about and what comes up with that automatically safe sane and consensual risk aware um, consensual kink consensual 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 keeps coming up yeah. and defining consent because even like what I would have told you consent means 10 years ago it's changed now yeah you know having this amazing social conversation about what consent is I mean we just have like all this Harvey Weinstein thing totally like another big conversation about consent and I love it you know so yeah. we define really what is consent and I recommend that people have safe words in all of their relationships. So you know, smart. You don't have to be kinky, you know, and I have a safe word with my partner where it's like sometimes you just want to tap out. Yeah. And that's great because I, you know, if I'm no longer consenting to this, let's stop, take a break, breathe, recoup, and come back. But so we start with that. And then I try to really get into, you know, we've seen so much of BDSM in the media Mm. of what kink means, right? It means that you're a serial killer. It means that you're a joke. It means that you're a freak, you know, all these things. These are the things that we're told. And I'm, um, and we're also told that there's certain things, certain ways to do it. You got to wear black, right? You you know, do this and that. You got to
0: spend a lot of money.
1: Yeah. And I tell them, like, I, the most common question I get when I tell somebody that, you know, I was a dom for so long or whatever, they're always like, how do you not just laugh?
0: Mm, I get that a lot too.
1: Right. And it's a fair question because of what they've seen. And I right. tell them, well, actually, most of the time I am laughing. It's fun. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of silly situations and there's a lot of like, you know, especially when you're humiliating somebody, it's hilarious, you know, <laughs> yeah. so- laugh you have a good time and if you're being serious you're still having a good time yes so i try to like really like let's relieve ourselves from these things that we've seen and what we think how we need to act and once i get into that space then the whole process of the rest of the class is figuring out what kind of dom are you mm-hmm, what of mm-hmm. suffer because there's billions of people in the world, and there's billions of ways to be a dom and billions of ways to be a sub. So how are you going to do it? So we start going through, and it's kind of workshopy. and where the class goes depends a lot on who shows up to the class. So we talk about what makes a dom, um, what are they wearing, mm. what is, um, how are they holding their body? And I go through these different things like costume, um, body uh, uh, you know, how, how you're sounding, what Mm. words are you saying and, um, and what actions are you doing? So we just break it down and everybody writes down, um, what they envision for themselves, you know? So I feel most powerful when I'm wearing leather pants or Mm. I feel most powerful when I'm wearing a suit, you know? So it's about asking yourself the questions and finding out, you know, who you are and where you are.
0: Well, well I love that. I agree with that philosophy completely. I think that a lot of people explore their dominant side or their submissive side and they think that they have to shoehorn their desires or identity into something that they've seen and or something that they and something that they feel that they have to live up to. And I, I think it's really revolutionary to guide people into developing their own personal style because that that seems to me the most organic way for power to flow is when you feel that it is coming from an expression of, of who you really are instead of trying to conform to something that might not actually be the right fit.
1: Definitely. And it bleeds over into every aspect of life. Mm. You know, it's like if you you could relate it to like fashion or something. The people who really do fashion well are the people that are true to themselves, true to like, you know, how their body is, how they want to present themselves, how, how they are and that coming through like the symbolism of fashion. It's the same thing with DS and really any other part of your life, the most powerful people that you meet, the most interesting people are the ones that are the most true to themselves. And that's the whole process. Even like, you know, for myself, you know, and I'm sure you too, you can practice your whole life in the kink world and you, you can hone, you know, your dominatrix side or your submissive side um, but it's always a work in progress because we're always moving and changing, and and it just I, it definitely can gain more power over time. And it's just it's a beautiful thing. For me, kink is a human right.
0: Mm, agreed. To,
1: sexuality is your human right to let it come out and to be yourself and to let it flourish is just it's it's such a beautiful thing. It's part of why I loved being a dom, and then I love being at the pleasure chest. It's a it's a political. Mm. um you, you know human right issue for me and it's, it's a um an honor to be a part of the movement that's going on right
0: now hallelujah yeah. oh, okay <laughs>
1: Wait, choir, I know but <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> you know.
0: well and a lot of different people are going to be listening to this too and There are going to be some people who have a lot of experience and I think are going to be nodding along to this. And then I think there are going to be some people who are listening to this podcast and listening to this episode because they're curious, because they're yearning or and maybe they have had some experiences, but they want to embody a different aspect of BDSM, you know, maybe they've had professional experiences and they want to have personal or personal and they want to have professional, or maybe they've been dominant and they want to explore being submissive or they have a new partner that they have a different dynamics with. And, and I love what you said too, about being open to the fact that things are constantly changing and also excited about the fact that, that you're, you're, expressions of power are going to change as you change throughout your life. It's something to look forward to.
1: Yeah. And it's when teaching this class it's it's the kind of thing where your um people want you to tell them the answer.
0: Right. And and
1: it's and it's kind of feels like this, you know, hippie crystal thing, but like <laughs> Look within you, my child. Yes! <laughs> you have to go inwards and find the answer in yourself. And, and I um, I try to give people the tools to be able to think more about that and to be able to do that. Yeah. But I hope, you know, as as um, maybe annoying that answer might be, if you just wanted, like, to be told how to do it right. Yeah. Uh, and then to be told there's no right way other than, like, the consent
0: part. Yeah.
1: Uh, then, uh, you know, it, it can be a little bit annoying for some people, but hopefully, then it gets into this space where like you're liberated by it, you know, and then you can just really be yourself and and find the the true power within you. It's kind of a little matrixy. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> cool. I
1: you. There's a lot of matrix.
0: True. Well, and all of the fetish clothes in there as well. Lots of lots of shiny leather yeah, cat suits. Yeah. <laughs> So, because you were the buyer at the Pleasure Chest, I'm sure you are intimately familiar with all of the inventory related to BDSM. So, I would love to know what are some great toys and gear. To get from the pleasure chest, that you would recommend, let's first say toys and gear that you would recommend for someone who is just starting out exploring DS.
1: Uh, if you're just starting out, uh, well, especially for new DOMs, yeah, uh, I, I think there's a uh, DOM's best friend is a blindfold. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah
1: it really it automatically heightens the situation yes uh, they are they it brings them very present into the situation and then it also makes it so uh that your sub cannot see you fall or fumble with your ropes right right or, or trying to just frantically figure out what the hell you're going to do um so i i everybody should have blind blindfolds are just fun in general so
0: is there a particular blindfold that you just love
1: yeah, I think it's called, see, <laughs> there's two blindfolds that have very similar names at the pleasure chest. One's called the Ultimate Blindfold, and one's called the Ultra Blindfold. <laughs> and I don't remember which is which, but uh, my favorite one, it's one of those, it starts with a U. It's, um, one has, uh, there's two straps on it. Okay. Which is, because if you've ever put on a blindfold that has one strap, it immediately goes down or up because you your around
0: right you know,
1: so two straps keeps it in place it's great and they're stretching elastic elastic and then they have um, uh, pads over the eyes that make it so you will not be able to peek and keep your eyelids closed so that's my favorite one and it's hot it's it's leather it's vegan I mean, that's not so hot but <laughs> it's um it's not too pricey it's well made cool um otherwise it's like Depending on what you're going to be doing, um, you know, a collar is a great symbolic way to uh, get yourself into play. Yes. Especially if you're partnered with someone or living with them, um, it's hard to sometimes like say, okay, now we're going to start or, you know, at the beat, we'll start playing. Mm. So that the collar can help with that. It's Um, like a
0: ritual tool.
1: Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a visual, we're very symbolic creatures. Yes. Uh, And, and, and those sorts of things can make a big difference. And if the color doesn't do it for you, I would recommend some other kind of outfit that would do it for you. Or just something that could, maybe it's that when I put on these, you know, you know, horn-rimmed glasses, I'm now a dom. Mm, You know, mm -hmm. whatever it's going to be, or, you know, I love catsuits. So that's where I go. But that might be a little much for a first-time person. Um, (laughs) There's... Also, uh, there's a great paddle from um, Aslan, uh that I, I don't remember the name of right now, but it's a it's a it's a leather paddle that's it's a slapper style paddle. Makes a great cracking noise, even if you don't use it well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, Drama. And it goes from zero to
0: 60.
1: Mm-hmm. So you can have a very light play. You can have very heavy play and it's wide enough. That you know, you're just you're probably not going to bruise somebody unless you're really going for it. It's a great beginner's one. I have it in my toolkit, and even as a very you know experienced person, I love it because it's so versatile.
0: I love everything made by Aslan Leather. So
1: they're great. So I mean, yeah, that would be a great. It's a great way to shop. Like, what do we have in there from Aslan? They have the, the great um, cuffs, yes, um, of different sizes. Oh, I they have think- the
0: best harnesses too.
1: Yes, wonderful hardware. and it's out.
0: all queer-owned and made, so yes. that's always a good plus.
1: Definitely, and they're very—the um, leathers always soft. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the hardware is always high quality. It's, it's wonderful stuff. So, and the, and really, it's not that that much more expensive than like you know.
0: Yeah, it's a great price point.
1: Um, and sports sheets can be great for what whatever you want to do. Also, I love under the bed restraint system.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, those are great. I love throwing those in a suitcase for travel because then any hotel bed is a dungeon.
1: Yeah. And I'm always like, you know, I I have like the companies that I particularly like, but I don't knock, you know, um, like the cheaper stuff either because everything has its place. I love those rubber band floggers because they're always so cool um, feeling so if you, like, really heat somebody up, you can use that and it's a nice sensation. There's just, everything has its place. So
0: Yeah, that's I'm smart. Um,
1: but I would really recommend whatever catches your eye, just don't get something that's really hard to use right off the bat.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: and if you're going to get a flogger or something, get one with shorter tails. Mm-hmm. And I always recommend um, practicing on pillows. Yes. Or you practice on a person because you can see where you hit and you know get a feel for it um, and we do some classes at the pleasure chest also of like you know I, I'll do like intro flogging cool basics and stuff like that so you can get really an idea of how to start these these things
0: with. amazing so what about the seasoned kinkster who Finds themselves in the pleasure chest and thinks that they have everything. What would you What would you recommend to really blow someone's mind who has been in the scene for a long time, or maybe wants to try a different aspect of DS?
1: Well, I mean, seasoned kingsters, I feel like, are still always going to be into a
0: unique toy. True,
1: and the pleasure chest really works hard to find those um, those craftsmen that make the really great, uh, uh, high-quality BDSM inventory. So um, I'm not sure exactly what they have um, going right now because it's been about a year and a half since I've been buying, um, but I know that um, we always looked for uh, the people that are making just the beautiful wooden paddles, um, the really wonderful single tails. We have these great cocobolo, uh round handled floggers that mm. are really for, um, for Florentine or double flogging. Mm. Um, so they just fit in the hand so well. So it's like a ball on the end and then you have like a kind of divot where you can rest um, between your two uh, first fingers. And then it just like rolls off as, as you're rotating the flogger. It's really satisfying to hold.
0: Oh yeah, I love those.
1: Yeah, that sort of thing is really great, um, and and then the outfits are always there. I'm always every time I go into the pleasure chest, just checking out what the new the new clothing stuff. Is I
0: going know on. they have really good fetish gear, like like fetish attire, and there's always new interesting latex. I, I like haven't bought a new latex piece in a long time, and sometimes when I go into the pleasure chest, I'm like mm, maybe it's time.
1: Yeah. I would like to say that I definitely help with that aspect. Well, It's always been fashion forward, but I I feel like I was like, how about more black? Or or whatever. I try to bring in colors also. I feel like fetish is getting more um, diverse in its palette.
0: Agreed. Agreed. I I talked about that with Coco last time, actually. Um, Yes. I love that.
1: And and even with the um, implements, Mm -hmm. I like in more, you know, stuff that isn't always red and black, you know, like uh, a lot more like natural colors in the leathers and things like that. I, it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: Fantastic. So the next thing that I want to ask you is a little bit seasonal. You know, when I So I want to ask you a little bit about the service aspect of domination and submission. And when I'm describing kinky service and and what that means to people like someone who is in service to someone 24-7 or maybe for the duration of a certain play party or a certain weekend event, I often talk about I often use the examples of the five love languages, right? Like some of the love, like two of the love languages are acts of service and giving and receiving gifts, right? Um, are you familiar with those?
1: Um, I am, I'm, I'm not intimately, I'm vaguely familiar.
0: Right, so, so basically I, I'm finding myself... As we approach the holidays, which is not really my favorite time of year, I'm finding myself trying to take a kinky approach to thinking about power dynamics and their role in a lot of the holidays that we tend to celebrate in the West and how we choose to celebrate them, like giving and receiving gifts and consuming. And I... I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on ways that people can use what they learn and experience from DS to create new power dynamics this holiday season.
1: You mean power dynamics outside of their, um,
0: intimate relationships? I mean, I guess in, in their, within the relationships that they're having kinky, power exchanges with, but then also, I mean, it it, it sounds like you are somebody who really feels that the things that you learn through those consensual adult kinky relationships can then sort of translate metaphorically into the rest of your life.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, especially in those kind of DS relationships where the submissive is actually and the dominant, too, actually very concerned or oriented towards service and really thinking about what their partner actually wants, um, which, is, which is a certain type of cake. I mean, you don't have to necessarily be doing that level in order to be having like a fun DS relationship because mm. it could be like, you know, you fetishize like a certain idea of service like cleaning or something, but it's not about the cleaning. And it's not actually about pleasing your dom with the cleaning. It's about the act of cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. So, but ultimately, whether you're in that spectrum or you're deeply concerned and, um, and into just very pleasing your, your partner, um, either way, it's really, um, always experiential and so much of our life, especially around this time of year, is like you were saying about consuming and about objects and collecting things and then throwing those things away, and collecting more things and hoarding and all of this stuff. And I've always been a very experiential oriented person. And to really think about, you know, what kind of experience are we going to have versus what kind of object can I give you to show my love but what kind of experience can we undertake in order to you know uh show my love or appreciation or or whatever it is devotion
0: um yeah i really relate to that
1: yeah it's really important and a lot of times this you're you're right around this season we get very um focused on you know all of the all of the objects and um you know maybe you can objectify yourself give that as a present yes (laughs) or 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 what like thinking more about about the experience of things or um and maybe getting into showing your devotion in other ways whether it's through um whatever kind of session uh you know you might have or a um even like you know not i mean i'm a crafty person but um making things or writing things spending time uh thinking about about your partner, rather
0: than spending time shopping. I love that.
1: Although uh, some dogs are like, no, 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 <laughs> going shopping. And
0: that's well, I mean that that feels related to me to to the to the subject of consent, right? It's it, it's not, you know, sometimes the things that we do within the context of consensual BDSM resemble or bring to mind some of the power structures that we want to undermine with our play, right? Like, like using like ravishment or force in sex, right? Like that's not, you know, so, so (laughs) in the same way that, a ravishment scene is not perpetuating rape culture if everyone involved is consenting. A consensual financial domination shopping scene, indulging in. Fetish gear going on a shopping spree at the pleasure chest in order to please yourself or to please one another or to please your dominant is not reinforcing capitalism. It's reclaiming it.
1: Sure. I totally agree because, um,
0: you rather
1: than playing into it, you're playing with it. Mm-hmm,
0: you know? mm-hmm.
1: So you are able to take control of it and, and, and make it your own. You're the one in charge because it's consent. Agreed. I actually have from my childhood and everything, I have a very strained relationship with money. I don't like talking about money. I don't like asking for money. I feel uncomfortable when people give me gifts, but if I'm in that dom situation, yeah. Where there's that kind of financial domination. Oh, finally I can relax and just be like, yeah, you're going to buy me that,
0: you know? I totally relate to that and uh I I mean I I find that that's true about a, a lot of different things like you were saying we're so, so we're such symbolically driven people and money is just a symbol and there are so many things that I'm aware that I have been socialized to be alienated from my power with relation to money or uh, I even like high heel, you know, wearing high heels or any, any number or sex itself or, or gender or any number of other things. Um, but yeah, when I'm in my Dom persona, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. I deserve this.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause I'm the greatest.
0: Exactly. There's,
1: and, and the freedom to even say that, I mean, really for me being a Dom I did it from the time I was 20 to the time I was 30. Mm. And it's really those, you know, formative years where you are, where I was trying to become the woman that I am,
0: Mm.
1: which is still a process. You're constantly becoming the woman that you are. (laughs) Um, But um, so obviously I'm still in flux with that, but it's like I really had so much to reconcile with the patriarchy yeah. and, um, and just being a female in the world yeah. and it really helped me understand, um, how it all works and yeah. well, not that I have it all figured out, but I feel like I'm a, a stronger person because of it. I, I have had people be like, Oh, but you're playing into the patriarchy because you are objectifying yourself, Whatever, ending to these like men's needs and it's like but at the same time are we ever outside of the patriarchy and um and in this space i am consensually playing with all of that and it was very liberating for me and it's and it it still lasts for me today and also when you play with with uh, DS in that way, you can spot it out in the world. Otherwise,
0: it, that's exact. Man, you really just like we we need to have cocktails because you just you just really keep. Uh, um, I agree with so much of what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I think we have. Uh, I think we see eye to eye on a lot of these things. Yeah. We're, we're like, most of <laughs> Well, I on that note, I feel like uh, we could keep talking about all of these things for a long time, and I'm sure that we will, but that is about all the time that we have for this particular segment, so I know that people, as always, can check out the pleasurechest.com For online shopping and to find out about events in LA and New York and Chicago. And of course, there are the stores in New York, LA, and Chicago. And uh, each of those stores has their own, or each of those cities has their own twitter account and all of the pleasure chest stores have one big instagram those are pretty easy to find um and mary is there anywhere online that people can find you to find out more about your work either in person or on the internet
1: no um
0: (laughs) that's fine
1: mystery Um, but, uh, I, I do teach fairly regularly at the West Hollywood store, so you can always look there and, um, you know, if you've seen Mary with the, um, with the red hair and the eyeliner, I'm that person. Awesome. And, um, I love to, uh, talk with people after the classes and I love to share all of this with everyone during the workshops. So I'd love to see
0: everyone there. Well, thank you so much for being here, Mary, and happy autumn to you.
1: Yeah,
2: Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row.